temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Happy Father's Day. Aaron Kupek with you on this Sunday morning. Summer arrives at 1132 tonight, so we thought we would bring in Kevin Borup, who is Executive Director of the Injury Prevention Center and the Office for Community Child Health at Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford, also an Assistant Professor in Pediatrics at the Yukon School of Medicine, to talk about kids and the summer and safety. Good morning and happy Father's Day, Kevin. Oh, thank you. Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for having me back. Let's start with the topic of teen driving. It seems this year maybe a lot of teenagers are eager to get out on the roads because perhaps they were locked down last year. Aaron, I think that's absolutely on target. Um, you know, what we've had is a lot of people just and and teens feeling like they, they couldn't meet with their friends. They couldn't do things. They're going to want to be out and about. And if they haven't gotten their license yet, they're going to want to go for that driving test. And the one recommendation we have for parents, and it's a very clear recommendation, give your uh, teen as much experience behind the wheel as possible. And I know the state will, will make you sign a paper saying you've given 40 hours of training behind the wheel. We would advocate that you give at least 100 hours behind the wheel. The more, the better. And even after your teen gets their license, drive with them, continue to, to train them. And, and give them new experiences behind the wheel. The more experience they have, uh, the lower the risk is going to be of being involved in a crash. Remind us about the restrictions for teen drivers in terms of hours they shouldn't be driving and also passengers in the vehicle. So uh, in Connecticut, we have something called the graduated driver licensing law, which phases in the driving privilege. And some of the key um, uh, pieces of that are when a teen gets their license, um, really, for the first year that they have that license, there is a, um, uh, a nighttime driving restriction uh, of uh, 11 p.m. Uh, there is um, there are passenger restrictions. You know, for the first year that they have their license, uh, they can't have anyone in the car with them other than uh, a, a supervising driver. And after the first six months of driving, they can have their siblings with them. And, and that's that's a big restriction and, and probably is the thing that teens and parents most, um, uh, I guess, get most upset about. Um, the reason why we have a passenger restriction in Connecticut is because we know when you add an additional passenger in your vehicle that's not a parent, it's a peer, 
uh, automatically your risk of getting involved in a crash increases. And the more passengers we add, the higher your risk. There are a lot of teen parent driving contracts out there that really spell out the rules of the road. Are, are those an important tool? Do you find those useful? They are. They're one of the evidence-based tools that's shown to have some kind of effect. And so uh, parents, you can get a teen driving contract from your insurance company uh, or just uh, search it online and you'll find one. Any of them uh, will work for you. And the important part is having that deliberate conversation with your teen about what the rules are and what the consequences are. And if you do that, uh, there's evidence to show that uh, your your teen will will end up having a safer experience. I know close to a decade ago, there was this trend where some teenagers simply weren't interested in, in getting a driver's license right when they, they turned 16. Do you find that trend persisting or has that changed a bit? Well, Aaron, you know, I, I think that probably deserves a little more uh, a little more research to look at that. Um, I, I think what we're seeing, we've, we've come back to a new normal of teens seeking their license. They may not be in as much of a rush uh, as you or I were when we were getting our, our, our license to drive, but uh, young people are still seeking their license, um, just maybe not as quickly. Um, you know, there are so many uh, avenues uh, young people have to reach their friends over social media and with their phones that... Uh, older generations never had. So that explains a little bit of it. Say there's a new teen driver in the household and they're shopping for vehicles. Do you have any advice about what to look for and and what to maybe avoid? You know, parents love when I answer this question because what I'll tell them is uh, the newest vehicle that you own, have your child, uh, your new teen driver, drive the newest vehicle uh, in your vehicle fleet at home. the reality is the newer, the newer the vehicle, probably the safer it is, the more uh, safety features that it will have in it. So if you're looking for a vehicle for your, for your teen, just have them drive the newest vehicle you have or get, get them a new one. The state, as we talked about, puts out certain rules of the road for new teenage drivers but that should really just be a, a starting point for, for the conversation between parents and their teens. Yeah, parents should continue the conversation over safe driving. And, and we recommend that parents follow that, that, that model of the air traffic controller. If, you're, if your new teen driver wants to go somewhere, they should ask you uh, a permission. You should ask, where are you going? Who are you going to be with? All those annoying parent questions, you know, your your job as a parent doesn't stop when they get their driver's license and it should continue on. What does science and biology tell us about the development of the teen brain and driving? There are really two pieces to the safety of teens behind the wheel. One is just experience. How many hours driving do they have? The more hours they have, uh, the safer they're going to be. And the other part we can't control, and that's brain development and the development of the prefrontal cortex. And, and this control, this has uh, implications for risk assessment and impulse control. And in, in most people, it's not fully developed until you're about 25 years old. So we know that the teen brain is different than an adult brain and that decision-making is slightly impaired because of, uh, because of that brain development. Now, certainly you're not supposed to be buying or or consuming alcohol in Connecticut unless you're 21 or older, but 
we know it happens among some teenagers. What advice do you have for, for parents when it comes to teen drinking and in particular drinking and driving? Well, for parents, I would say the, the biggest advice we can give you is model good behavior. Don't drink and drive. Uh, when you go to a backyard barbecue uh, this year, don't drink and get into a car and drive. Uh, Connecticut has a, the distinction uh, compared to New York, uh, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, the surrounding states, of having higher rates of alcohol-involved fatal crashes. And, and so really, this is for everyone. I don't want to pick on teen drivers here. Uh, adults, uh, don't drink and drive. And um, certainly, you shouldn't be modeling behavior where you're, you're drinking and then getting into a vehicle with your children and driving. So if you're going to drink, have someone else drive. Now, at the state capitol, the governor is expected to sign recreational marijuana legislation this coming week. We know it applies to people 21 and over who will be able to possess small amounts of marijuana beginning in in July. Is this an emerging concern when it comes to to kids? Do we think it's going to be more available for for children once this this happens? Well, Aaron, I think as more uh, cannabis becomes available in the market, it'll become more available to children, even those under the age that they're setting. Um, we have in Connecticut and around the country really in a, in a, a problem um, that we're trying to address and trying to bring enough resources to address, and it's a mental health crisis in, in children and adolescents. And what we know from the, the research that does exist, and there needs to be more, is there is some indication that um, uh, marijuana use, cannabis use by, uh, by kids, by young people, by teens, can, uh, can promote um, uh, uh, suicide ideation or risk of suicide. And, and so I, I think that... Um, uh, we're going to have to monitor what happens with the introduction of, of cannabis in Connecticut and really keep a close eye on the impact on children. But it doesn't look good. Does this new law provide an opportunity maybe to to study policies that aren't I- exactly in place in other jurisdictions? Well, I think there will be a lot of people uh, looking at that as uh, just as there are in other states right now that have already legalized, doing a lot of research, looking at the, the health impacts of legalization. Going back to kids in cars, younger kids now, we always hear the concerns about leaving a, a baby in a car seat in a hot car, forgetting about them and leaving the vehicle. Those instances were down during COVID. Now, with a lot of things reopened, is there a concern those numbers are going to go back up? Uh, they could. As you know, this is a pretty a rare event. It does happen, and, it, and it's awful when it does. And it, what we've seen in the past is when a child is left in a vehicle, um, then it's often because a routine, a normal routine wasn't followed, something, something else, some deviation. And, and so what we recommend for parents, if you are transporting a, a young child in your car, one in a car seat to daycare or elsewhere, put something in the back seat so that uh, you're, you're going to have to go back there for it. Uh, we've said in the past, leave your lunch back there, your briefcase, even a shoe could be left back there. Leave, leave your cell phone back there. You'll certainly go back for it. 
Um, and, and so if you do that, you set a reminder, you won't have to worry and just do it as practice. But the, the other issue around kids in hot cars, and this happens as well, is kids also get into cars that are left in driveways. So in the summer, a lot of kids are going to be out. A lot of parents are home because they're working from home. Uh, lock your cars when they're not in use in your driveway, especially if you have young children or there are young children in your neighborhood. Uh, kids like to get inside of vehicles and they could very well open a car door, get inside, close it and not be able to get out. So um, keep your cars locked in, in your driveways. Uh, if not to protect them from theft, do it to protect uh, kids who might get inside and not be able to get out. Is there any safe amount of time to leave a child in a car unattended? Aaron, there's no safe amount of time to leave a child alone in a, in a vehicle. And, uh, you know, at times I know people think, well, I'm, I'm just going to run into the store for a minute and they leave their child in the car and one minute turns into five, 10 or 15. And uh, what we know in, in a very short amount of time, uh, the, the, the temperature within a vehicle can raise 20 or even 30 degrees inside of five or 10 minutes very, very quickly. And on a 90 degree day, uh, that becomes dangerous very quickly, even on a 80 degree day or a 70 degree day because of the greenhouse effect that the windows of your car cause the inside of the vehicle can heat up incredibly quickly. He is Kevin Borup. You are listening to Face Connecticut. Kevin is executive director of the Injury Prevention Center at the Office for Community Child Health at Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford. He's also an assistant professor in pediatrics at the Yukon School of Medicine. I know there's been a big trend during the pandemic to stay at home and enhance backyards. Pools are in high demand. We know there's a chlorine shortage. Uh, across the country because so many people are are interested in in getting pools and for other reasons related to production as well. And, and also, it seems more people are getting trampolines for their backyards, and those can be fun, but they also pose safety risks. Let's start with pools. What do parents need to know if they have children and a pool, be it new or in for a while? Right. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, pools. Wow, everyone's putting in a pool. Uh, these days. And, and pools come with their own risks. And certainly you should have uh, a four-sided fence around the pool uh, so and that's lockable so that uh, especially young children can't get to the pool side uh, without you. And, and that is key. Uh, we've worked with our friends uh, at the Zach Foundation and the American Red Cross around uh, swimming safety and what we know is that pools present a, a, a special danger for kids between, say, one and eight years old. Um, uh, kids can get to the pool, they can get in, and they can get in trouble very quickly. Uh, so we recommend, again, keep, keep the pool locked, make sure that uh, children can't access it. And when you, are, when you do have children in the water, make sure you, you practice active supervision. Uh, many people will be going to pool parties this summer, right? We get to socialize now. We're going to go to parties with a backyard pool. A lot of kids are going to be splashing around in the pool. Maybe yours, maybe, maybe children from other families. Parents need to get together and determine who's going to watch the water and then take turns doing it. Uh, you know, we often give out these water watcher cards hand someone a card that says water watcher 
and they get to watch the water for, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour, and then you can switch off to another adult and they should be actively watching the water uh, so that uh, tragedy doesn't strike. Now, the water can be enticing for kids. How do you recommend best, you know, if you have a young kid, getting them used to safety around the water? Do you recommend, you know, swimming lessons, things like that? Absolutely. Swimming lessons are key. Uh, And we would say if you can do it, there are many programs out there this summer, uh, whether through your town parks and rec department or through many of the private facilities uh, and, and nonprofit facilities around the state. Uh, find some swimming lessons. A, a great activity for kids during the summer is learning how to swim. And, and that will teach them both safety around a pool, but, but also that life-saving skill that they'll have for their entire life of how to swim. Now, you mentioned this before we started recording, and I'm, I'm glad you did because I didn't think about it, but trampolines in the backyard, it's, it's, it's a growing trend. And, you know, that's one of the questions they ask you when you get homeowner's insurance. Do you have a trampoline? So I suppose it does pose some safety risks. Yeah, it does. And I, I think what emergency departments across the country have seen, a lot of broken bones, right? Uh, head injuries and broken bones. And these are quite common when it comes to trampolines. And, and they're just follow the rules around trampolines. Uh, trampolines uh, have those nets that go around them. Make sure you have those protective nets. And uh, I guess I have a very boring rule to give everyone, only one person on the trampoline at a time. Uh, where people get in trouble, of course, is also when they crash into another person on the trampoline. So one person on the trampoline at a time and make sure that you have all uh, the netting up. Uh, practice, again, supervision on the trampoline and uh, probably, Aaron, for you and uh, your, your homeowner's insurance, if you don't have a trampoline, uh, don't get one, right? And I know the 4th of July is right around the corner, and that sees a lot of people using fireworks. What advice do you have for keeping children safe around fireworks? And let's start by saying only sparklers or what they call fountains are legal in Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer to that question is very simple. Go and find out where the uh, where the professional fireworks displays are and safely go to those professional fireworks displays and watch those. Uh, children really shouldn't be handling fireworks. Uh, they can be dangerous. Even a sparkler um, gets so hot that it can melt metal. And so you certainly don't want that sparkler uh, touching a child's skin or an eyeball or uh, whatever else might happen as they're waving it around. So I would say, again, uh, find out which municipalities are hosting those marvelous uh, fireworks shows and go see one live. Your kids will remember it forever. We all have to be careful when it gets really hot outside. Are kids more susceptible to to high heat and humidity with heat exhaustion and and heat stroke and things like that? Absolutely. So um, if you're hot, uh, your ki- your child definitely is. Uh, so watch young children, especially uh, give them breaks, make sure they stay hydrated with cold water, keep them in the shade. And uh, when you can, uh, they make some great uh, clothing now that uh, is meant for hot weather with long sleeves and, and a wide brimmed hat, you know, keep yourself protected from the sun. Uh, if you can keep yourself out of the sun, that that's probably best. We've talked a lot about physical health. Let's talk a little about mental health because it has been an unusual year for 
adults and adolescents alike, but for adolescents in particular, how can you as a parent make sure things are are going okay for for kids as they kind of get back to a more normal routine? Well, open communication, uh, I think, is the best thing to practice. Talk to your kids. Talk about your own mental health with them. Normalize the conversation. And uh, if you suspect they might be having trouble, uh, reach out for help. Uh, potentially, uh, it, you know, again, if it's not a crisis, right, you're, if you see some issues coming up, uh, have them go speak with a counselor and, uh, find, and to help support you in, in finding out what's going on with them. Uh, obviously, if, if it's a crisis, um, and your, your child is in uh, imminent uh, risk of hurting themselves, uh, call 911. Uh, if, um, if you're concerned, uh, you can always talk to your pediatrician. If you feel they need more immediate help, you can always call 211. And we do have a service called Mobile Crisis uh, in Connecticut, and they will uh, send um, counselors uh, even to your home if you want uh, to speak to your child. Uh, so there are, we're lucky in Connecticut and we do have a lot of resources um, compared to other places to be able to uh, support you uh, with your child. Um, and what we have seen uh, during COVID is it looks like an increase in, uh, in reported um, suicidal thoughts, suicide risk. And uh, so parents, I would just say, keep those lines of communication open and it's uh, better to get help earlier rather than later. How do you start that conversation with, say, an adolescent without seeming like you're, you're trying to, to pry and, and then causing the, the, the teen to just close up and, and, and not talk to you at all? You know, generally, uh, keep, keep the conversation about their life uh, ongoing. And then if you if you if they seem withdrawn, if they seem upset, if they've had a, uh, a recent dispute with a friend or someone they love, um, these precipitating events can can uh, often uh, provoke thoughts of wanting to of wanting to uh, of having kids wanting to kill themselves. And you can even openly say, well, you know, you you look upset. Are you thinking about killing yourself? It, you can ask that uh, that straightforwardly if um, if you're concerned, and uh, if your child says uh, yes, then you can reach out for help, and that's where you can bring them to uh, an emergency department uh, to get them the help if they're actively thinking about uh, killing themselves. If they say no, then it allows you to have a longer conversation about the importance of mental health and the importance of talking openly about it and reaching out for support. In terms of COVID-19 safety guidelines, I know a lot of children aren't eligible to get vaccinated yet. What sort of precautions should be should they be taking and what advice do you have about vaccines when they when a child does become eligible? I would say, you know, these are these are always great questions to bring to your pediatrician. I would say if you have the uh, option of getting a vaccine and you feel comfortable doing so for you and your kids, do so. Uh, if you have concerns or questions, uh, I would talk to your uh, pediatrician or family physician. Is there advice on, on masks for those who haven't been vaccinated yet? I mean, generally the rule is in, in a lot of places, if, if you haven't been vaccinated, still wear a mask and that I suspect would go for kids as well. 
Yeah, I would say, you know, follow the guidance that's out there. Um, certainly your workplace will have very specific masking guidance. Your uh, the, the uh, businesses or other places that you go will have guidelines around masking and always use your own judgment. Um, you know, if you haven't been vaccinated, you have to remember that there are a lot of people out there who haven't been vaccinated. Um, and uh, you have to use your own judgment about when uh, to wear that mask or when not to. You may want to wear the mask even uh, when you don't necessarily have to. Um, I know that uh, probably most people are going to keep a mask with them, or at least in their car, just in case. He is Kevin Borup, Executive Director of the Injury Prevention Center in the Office of Community Child Health at Connecticut Children's Medical Center and Assistant Professor in Pediatrics at the UConn School of Medicine. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and ATT at tmobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.